Hi Triber, we're back for the next season. Smart Girl Tribe has grown to become the UK's number one female empowerment organisation. We have an event series, a digital magazine, a membership platform and this podcast. What can you expect from us? Interviews from women all over the world who are driving change and pushing the needle forward. From actors to activists, to CEOs and conflict photographers, to the brains behind some of the world's largest corporations. When you're not tuned in every Wednesday at 6pm, then make sure you're chatting to fellow unapologetically ambitious women in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or sharing our ever so inspirational content on Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe. Hi Tribers, welcome back to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast or welcome if this is your first time here. Today I'm joined by climate change activist and TED speaker Laura Young. Laura is only 23 but has already built a fantastic platform on social media called Less Waste Laura where she shares with her audience how they too can start living more of a sustainable lifestyle. She's also a speaker and travels around Scotland providing classes with resources to learn more about the planet. In this episode, we talk about her life as a full-time activist, the day she was on a beach and decided to live a better lifestyle to help out the world, Blue Planet, fashion sustainability, the beauty and sanitary products we can't live without, and not only why living this way is so good, but how easy it is too. Hi Laura, thank you so much for joining us today on the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. Can you just share your story with our audience, please? Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I guess my uh, story revolves around who I am and what I do in the sustainability world. I'm definitely a bit of an eco-warrior. My name is Laura, but I have this Instagram called Less Waste Laura. Uh, My friends joke and call me that to my face now. But I love the world, I love um, our planet, I love exploring it on holidays and going traveling, Um, but I also wanna care for it. I wanna care for the planet, not just for the world, but for the people that live in it. And so I've been on this personal crazy journey trying to live environmentally and trying to bring people along with me. Um, So yeah, it's 2020, we're halfway through, but at the beginning of 2018, I began this journey to try and live with less waste that's where the name comes from i feel we'd had like blue planet and so i was really wanting to pursue that a bit of background about me i studied geography and environmental science and so i loved learning about that from an academic point of view and i just have a real passion for sharing that knowledge with other people but i also just love finding tips and tricks to like cut your waste and live more sustainably and here i am two and a half over two and a half years now I'm trying to do this and just really loving the community online of yeah eco-friendly people and that's a little bit about me that felt really quick and that's a little bit of my story. So when did it happen that you suddenly decided Laura that you were going to start living sustainably how did you make that decision and go from one day to another just completely dedicating yourself to the environment? Absolutely so I'll take you back to 2018 and it was actually all of this began as a new year's resolution so me and my family go away with family friends every new year and we just stay on this little house on the east coast of Scotland in a place called Ely stunning white sandy beaches like totally beautiful and because we go every year we have this kind of tradition to do a new year's day walk along the beach and it's a great time to just like reflect on the year before think about the year ahead and to give context, I was in my final year of university. So I was studying geography, environmental science, really stressed. I've got my final year coming up, got a dissertation to write, 
but also I have the prospects of the year trying to find a job trying to get work and so this was the first New Year's Day walk where I was actually quite nervous about the year ahead it had a lot of uncertainty in it and people were chatting about New Year's resolutions and I was trying to think of something fun that I could maybe challenge myself with to take my mind off the worries of getting a job and all the rest of it but as we were walking along the white sandy beaches on the 1st of January thinking about the year ahead we started to come across plastic and some of it was from the night before, you know, you could see bits of firework or, you know, wrappers from people's food. But as we continued this walk, getting to the places that maybe were less popular, there was still plastic, but it was things like fishing net or, you know, big chunks of plastic and wrappers that had been there for a long time. And that's when on that 1st of January, I thought, this isn't right. I shouldn't be coming across this. And, you know, we had had the Blue Planet. We'd seen it on our TVs and everyone had started to really notice plastic, but it wasn't until... I was sort of staring it in the face. I realised actually any of this could have been mine. You know, I, you know, we've all been careless with waste before or we know how bad littering is. And so I just thought, this is my thing I'm going to do this year. I'm going to take responsibility for it. And I sort of made a New Year's resolution to create less waste. That's kind of how it started. Um, and so I went home from this trip and had this like, yep, going to cut out plastic, going to become really eco-friendly. But then you return to your house and you start going through your cupboards and you go through to the bathroom and you go into the kitchen cupboards and you realise actually everything's covered in plastic. Mm -hmm. So that began my journey to trying to live more sustainably, trying to find switches for myself, for the products that I use, the foods that I eat. Um, and as I did this journey, you know, people asked me for recommendations, products I'd used. So I started to kind of write it all down. And that's when I made that Instagram that just was a place to document my journey. And yeah, now, sort of two and a half years later, it's not just swaps for plastic. It's also how can we be sustainable with food, fashion, travel? Uh, how can we be more ethical, not just with environmental stuff, but really like the way we buy things and how we buy them? Uh, so it's really taken this much more holistic approach now. But yeah, it really, it really did begin with just a New Year's resolution. Wow. And can you tell us about your latest project, the Environmentally Conscious Classroom? Absolutely. So for quite a while now, um, pre-lockdown, I was invited to a lot of schools to do schools talks to people, whether that's eco committees or just general classes doing projects on it. And for ages, people were saying, oh, you should make a school resource. But I never really had the time and I kind of enjoyed going into schools and being able to chat to them. But at the beginning of 2020, when schools were realising they were going to close, some of my teacher friends approached me and said, we'd love you to make this resource and we're here to help you because we know that kids are going to be learning from home. And what better way to get kids learning about sustainability than, you know, at home with their parents, with whoever lives there um, and get them learning about it with fun. So I created this thing, it's a free resource online, a PDF to download and it's the environmentally conscious classroom but it's completely adapted to learning from home and it's a way to teach kids of all ages but particularly um, sort of primary school age kids but any, I mean I could use it and have fun at 23 um, and it's learning about sustainability through loads of different ways, through books and films but also activities but the important thing 
or the thing that I thought was important was actually use the stuff you already have. You don't have to go and buy any new arts and crafts things or, you know, get any expensive resources to actually learn about this. It's using things you already have in your house. It's using waste that you have in your house to the fullest extent. And it's really teaching kids ab about that. And so it covers everything from waste and plastic through to where stuff comes from in the world, through to regrowing fruits and vegetables on a windowsill. It really covers a whole breadth of things. And that's been a really fun kind of project I've had this year, um, which I also love working with teachers with to really get it into the curriculum and show that, yeah, you can learn about this stuff even from home. Amazing. And you live, Laura, as close to a zero waste lifestyle as you can. For anyone who hasn't heard of that term before, could you just explain it, please? Yeah, there's this movement, I guess, online, but also people do it in real life called zero waste. And it's just this idea to live as close to producing zero waste as possible. And that zero waste, not just with stuff that you might send to landfill, but also recycled stuff. You know, it's just trying to produce as uh, zero waste as possible. For me, I try the reason I've called myself less waste Laura is because I believe that we will always produce waste and there's some waste that's unavoidable and that's all right but I'm striving for just as little as possible and often you know to go on a tangent a wee bit but you know recycling it's not the most efficient way to do things and it's not the answer so for me it's not I'm going to try and make sure that everything I produce can be recycled it's I'm just going to see how little I can produce some stuff's really easy it's just about making switches it's about buying products that don't have packaging or switching to ones that don't uh, for other stuff you have to think a bit more outside the box you have to think about how you can reuse waste maybe or how you can yeah find alternatives but really it's just that it's not about using specific materials, it's just about using as little materials as possible. Mm -hmm. And other terms maybe that you could explain would be, for example, recycling maybe for our younger audience and repurposing as well? Absolutely. So I'll start with the repurposing and that is just finding another way to use something before it goes in the bin. Uh, and so an example would be, you know, if you had an old cotton t-shirt that maybe gets some holes in it, how could you repurpose that before throwing it away? Maybe you could cut it up and turn it into rags to use in your kitchen or you could find another solution for it. Um, repurposing could also be maybe you have um, a piece of furniture that is looking a bit worse for wear. Maybe you could use pieces of that to repurpose it into something else. And that's quite similar to upcycling, which is taking something that's maybe just looking a bit bashed and beaten and you could sort of... Uh, tart it up I'm allowed to use that phrase to make it look a bit better uh, recycling is one that maybe we've come across more but I think there's a history and a science and um, different factors that mean recycling isn't as effective as, as we think the idea of recycling is about taking a material let's say a plastic bottle for example and recycling it so taking the material once it's finished its use and turning it into something new, turning it into something else that's plastic and recycling it and giving it another life. A couple of important things that we often don't know about recycling, there's kind of three aspects to it and three points about why I don't think it's that effective and why I try and not avoid it by not doing it, but avoid it by not creating the waste. The first is the science that when we recycle something, we're actually downcycling it. So what I mean by that is if you put in a plastic bottle it's not like a magic plastic bottle comes out the other side because you're ripping apart the material, you're breaking it down, you're making it structurally less stable. So what comes out the other end is more like plastic fibres. So maybe like the kind of polyester that we would wear. Or if you were to take a piece, piece of paper and put it in, 
you're shredding those fibers and breaking them down. So what's likely going to come out is maybe a paper napkin, you know, something that's of less quality. So this idea that we put something in and the same comes out isn't really the same. Mm -hmm. So when we buy things that are plastic and paper, normally that's something that we call virgin material. So there's still new fossil fuels being pulled out of the ground to make plastic or new trees being cut down to make new paper. So recycling is a bit broken because it's not really that circle that we like. Also, we don't often buy things that are made from recycled materials. So we're recycling all of this stuff, but where's it actually going to? So that's the first thing is the science. The second thing is more of the kind of politics or logistics of recycling, which is here in the UK specifically, you know, we don't have the facilities to recycle how much we produce. So we often ship it off to other countries, often in Southeast Asia. And there was an amazing uh, programme called War on Waste uh, that the BBC did. And it was kind of actually tracking where this went, turning up and going, ah, it's just being dumped here. And realising that we have this idea that magically our recycling is going away somewhere and being recycled and we'll buy it again at some point. It's not happening. Uh, and so we need to realise that. And then the third thing, so that was the science, the kind of politics of it. And then the third thing is us. We don't know how to recycle. How many of us have wish cycled, sort of going... Don't really know if that could be recycled, but I'll chuck it in and, and hope for the best. Or is it that we recycle wrong? We put things in that haven't been cleaned out or we just put things in that aren't the right material. This clogs up the process. It slows it down. And actually, if enough of a recycling truck has the wrong stuff in it, it's not even worth sorting it out. They just throw it all the way to landfill. So we are part of the problem because we don't know how to recycle. Maybe that's because we don't know, we haven't been taught, or maybe it's just because it's so confusing. So there we go, that was a very big tangent about recycling, but hopefully that kind of clears up a bit about those words and that language and that concept. No, I think that's great, Laura. Thank you so much. And you put it so eloquently as well. I feel like I'm even learning so much now. And one thing I would love to ask your opinion on, because you do seem, or you are not you seem, Laura, very, very informed about all of this, is I'd like to ask your opinion on sustainable fashion. And the reason why I ask this is because I've been doing, over the past few months, a little bit of research myself, and I've been looking into the brands that offer conscious collections, if you like. But I have to admit, they're incredibly more you know, they're so much more expensive. And I'm not actually someone who's into instant cheap fashion, but equally, I feel like there needs to be a balance. What would you say to any of our listeners who are feeling the same way that I am? Yeah, do you know, I think in the world of sustainable fashion, there is the palatable answer. And then there's the unpopular, but I would say true answer. So I'm going to give you the unpalatable true answer to my opinion of sustainable fashion. I believe we are producing way too much. I believe we're consuming way too much. And I believe the option is never new. That can sometimes be unpopular. And what I mean by that is maybe take a look at 2020. I think lots of people have bought way less than normal because we haven't been going out as much. We haven't been going on our big holidays. But actually people maybe have begun to realize I don't need new clothes as often as I think. We as human beings, do not need the wealth of clothes that we have. We don't need bursting wardrobes full and drawers full of clothes. And so I think my first even question to put to people before we even talk about what's sustainable or not is, do you actually need new clothes as often as you think? 
So first of all, ask yourself that. And that can be a difficult thing because it can be that, but maybe my thing is fashion. Maybe like that, that's your hobby and that's one of the ways you express yourself. We can still do that in sustainable ways. So once we've got past that deep question and maybe it takes a bit of thinking, the next question is, right, so how do we get sustainable clothes? Any brand that's on the high street or any brand that has a large kind of fast fashion website, if they're bringing out a sustainable range on top of everything else, that's just still more clothes. Lots of these brands aren't removing ranges to bring in a sustainable one. It's just an extra line of clothes. So more clothes are being produced, probably not in that sustainable way. So my question is that's, or the question someone is, do you really think that's at a sustainable rate? I guess my answer to the price thing, I believe that if a piece of clothing is what we would call reasonably priced or cheap, who's paying the price for that? It's not you as a consumer, it's somebody else. It's somebody down the line not being paid a fair wage. We've heard about not just stories abroad, but you know we had the Leicester scandal that came out in the UK that people in the UK weren't being paid a fair wage. So first of all, we need to wrap our head around a five pound t-shirt or a 16 pound pair of jeans or a 20 pound dress. Like that's just not sustainable and it's also not fair. I also think we need to think about um, this idea of when we want clothes, like what are the options that we have? There's a wealth of places to look for clothes before we even get to a new brand or a brand on the high street. One of my favorite places to shop for secondhand clothes is my friends' Instagrams, right? Scroll through your friends, go, oh, see that holiday you went to Portugal in 2018? Have you still got that place out? Um, can I borrow that? And I think that's like a really important thing that we can think about. Then you've got your families, your friends to borrow from, you've got Depop, loads of online places, vintage, charity shops, there's a whole wealth. But I guess your original question was about, okay, so these sustainable brands are coming out with more expensive clothes, like how do we address that? My thing is, well actually, if you're buying less in the first place, and you're buying often higher quality, and you know that people are paying a fair wage, it ends up overall being about the same price. See if you were to half the amount of clothes you were buying, but that half that's left by sustainably, you're probably spending the same amount of money, but those clothes last you, you'll realize you don't need loads of more clothes. And so I think there's a deeper theological maybe question that we need to kind of address before um, we go any further with this, but that is an unpopular answer, unfortunately. But I think because when we see the price of sustainable clothes, we instantly think, oh, that's, I mean, that's unsustainable, that price, I can't afford it. But nobody's asking you to buy sustainable clothes at the same rate of buying cheap clothes. We're asking you to slow down and buy less. Hopefully that was a kind of rounded answer, but that's my view on sustainable fashion, which isn't always the most popular because it's a kind of avoiding lots of consumption. But I think when people get into that, they can really see where it comes out. No, thank you for being so honest. I think those are all great points to make and it's so true. And it's very, very hard as just an average person, if you like, who's not completely in the sustainable world to then be inundated with all of these brands coming at you saying, this is sustainable or we've done this sustainable range because you're so then full of information. You think, oh my gosh, I really don't know where to turn. And I do think, you know, fashion and beauty, it's both really, really interesting because the other day I was listening to a podcast on sustainable beauty and I thought, this is really interesting. I'm just going to check out my skincare. 
and all of my skincare is sustainable and it's cruelty free and it's all vegan and I was looking at it thinking I've been doing this completely naturally not really thinking about it because these are products that I started using years and years ago that have proven to be so good that I've just gone back to them without really thinking about it so I do agree that we need to start taking the same approach when it comes to fashion because realistically we have no real issue in paying out for moisturizer yet we don't really think about where our dresses or jeans are coming from as you said and I really want to ask you Laura have you always been passionate about the environment or has it been since 2018? I think I've always loved the world so you know anything outdoors I love to hike I'm from Scotland we have beautiful and sort of outdoor scenery so I think I've always loved the world um, but definitely my passion for living environmentally and you know what it's hard because sometimes I think of it as a passion, but sometimes I'd rather just call it a responsibility. You know, it's, that, it's not that I suddenly had a passion for the environment and want to care for it. I suddenly realised the responsibility we all had. And, I, and sometimes when people say, oh, but you're really interested in the environment, oh, that's great. I think we all should be, like it's, it's everyone's home. And so sometimes I think it's more, I like to think of 2018 as the point I realised that responsibility and the point I started doing something about it. Um, and now kind of two and a half years later a lot of my lifestyle is being responsible but without even thinking about it because you just kind of like you said with you did that skincare stuff you bought those years ago you're not actively every day thinking oh wow I need to get sustainable skincare because you've got it you've done it that you kind of ticks that tick that box and I think that's often what I think now is more I've still got that passion but actually it's now just ingrained and so it's just kind of raising the waves um, of that. I think that's really interesting as well and it's a really important message, you know, I can't count on, you know, the fingers that I have, how many times I have been introduced as, oh, this is Scarlett, you know, this is her position. She's really passionate about female empowerment and women's rights. And then I have women who come up to me and they say, you know, that's so interesting. I've really, I've never been able to truly get on board with that. And I'm thinking, it's not really a passion and you're a woman. How is yeah. <laughs> like almost ingrained in you because it's affecting everybody do you not think you deserve the same pay as a man for instance but it's true people's perceptions I guess of activism and what activism is because I wouldn't say oh I'm passionate about women's rights that's not my passion yoga is my passion this is just something that I think is fundamentally crucial for us all to live a better or have you know better opportunities and to reach complete equality and representation but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> and growing up did everyone embrace your views as an activist or have you ever had some challenging moments either with friends or family members I think most people have been on board and I think on board to different levels I think you know when you're talking about plastic talking about making switches uh, you know easy little things especially when they save people money oh yeah people are totally on board when you start talking about food and maybe start uh, making people make decisions about the food they eat the fashion they wear the holidays they can go on I guess that starts getting a wee bit um a wee bit more difficult people are less um able to change those obviously there's a huge question about accessibility and privilege in this so like I mean that conversation is humongous as well but um I think most people have been on board with it and most people have found it a good challenge but 
I think one of the things I've never tried to do is ever shame anyone into this because actually we are in a broken system. So it's some of these things are really difficult to do and that's nobody's fault. That's everyone and no one's in the sense that we need a system change to fix a lot of this. But I think most people are on board with it and most people find it fun. Um, I guess though the stronger you go with activism in terms of like protests and lobbying MPs, that's obviously when you start getting to the more extreme version and people are maybe a bit more hesitant for that kind of stuff. But I think what's helped has been the general movement of environmental and sustainability stuff, the fact that more people in general are on board with it, it's in the news more. Um, and we've got the young people on site, you know, like, so I think that's kind of been good to bring people along. Mm -hmm. And why do you think it's so important for the younger generation to be getting on board with all of this or these topics, I should say? Yeah, I mean, I think in one in one sense, it's us that are maybe getting on board and then leading it because they're the ones who are, you know, striking off school back, uh, particularly 2019 was a huge year for that. I think they're the ones who can also just cut through and go, sorry, why is no one listening to the science or why is no one doing anything about it? And I think it's because they're not at the level where they have, you know, party politics or people in business who are more self-interested than interested in the world or the planet. And so I think young people are the leading voices in this because they can just say it as it is. And yes, they might not have the answers to this, but they have that clear vision of we're watching all the people above us, the adults, supposedly, you know, um, and you guys need to be the ones implementing this change. So I think they've been one of them. I think they've been the most important voice, um, especially with people around the world, you know, from particularly the global south, who are the ones really being impacted. And so I think their voices are key and have really been kicking all the rest of us up to, yeah, really uh, push push the places that we're in. Completely. And where do you get your information from, Laura? What resources do you turn to for anyone listening to this thinking, you know what, I really do want to start researching fashion sustainability or, you know, cruelty free beauty products, etc. But even if somebody wanted to start looking at products that upcycle or recycle or repurpose, where do you get all of your information? Where can somebody start? One of the best places to start, especially just for beginners, is social media. Use social media. Uh, there's loads of people out there, whether it's influencers, educators, or just people that you know who are into it. And with a few quick searches through hashtags, you know, hashtag cruelty-free beauty or hashtag sustainable fashion, hashtag vegan diet or whatever, uh, you'll be able to find loads of people sharing information. And that's a great, like, toe in the water to see what kind of things you like and maybe point you in the right direction and um, follow some people that you want to you know follow along with their journey and be able to share their tips and then I guess if you want to go a bit deeper you might want to start reading blogs or maybe even news articles or research papers I would say get a breadth of information don't stick to one news outlet maybe search around or if you have a specific thing you want to learn about read it from a few different angles because lots of newspapers have different biases or from like different sides of different arguments um, and so I guess start there one of the best newspapers I've found to give like um fair coverage of stuff as the guardian it's a great place to start and then following journalists on twitter and that sort of thing can really get you going a long way but i think depending on where you're at um, start at a different place because you don't want to jump in at the deep end of scientific papers about the plastic content of you know whatever if you're maybe just wanting to begin uh, but equally there's a whole spectrum of stuff to find out uh, and loads of great blogs and things already completely do you think 
activists, especially climate or eco warriors, for example, maybe beat themselves up a little bit. I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but sometimes when I speak to experts in this field who are living a sustainable lifestyle, they say you don't need to be completely perfect to be considered sustainable and I know that's one thing that puts a lot of people off you know there are so many vegans out there who eat a plant-based diet yet will wear leather shoes and they're told you know what you're not completely vegan then what are your thoughts on that Laura? Oh I mean I'm never one to say you have to be 100% of anything you know I think that's exactly it. Labels put people off that's why I've never called myself zero waste because that puts people off that's why in my opinion, vegan can sometimes come across as bad because if there's one type of food that's putting you off going vegan, just go vegan apart from that food. Like it's better than nothing. It's better, you know, like that's the way to do it. And I think there is this element of beating people up. I think people also think you have to be held to like a really high standard. But we also have to remember it's that broken system. It's We're set up to fail uh, and we need to realise that and know it's not our fault. Um, even the idea of a carbon footprint that was developed by BP, one of the largest world polluters in the world, putting the responsibility onto individuals to have a carbon footprint. So we need to remember, even stuff like that, like it's, there's much bigger people that we need to be like fighting against or like lobbying against or making change with. So always know that everything you do is a step in the right direction. And there's always more that we can do outside of that. And I think, I mean, there's that amazing quote that's like, we don't need, you know, a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need to, we need everyone doing it imperfectly. But that is exactly it. There's no point in me creating zero waste, literally nothing, but it's totally inaccessible for everyone else and putting people off. I'd rather be like, hey, here's the things that I do that are really easy. You could do them too. If you can't do them, that's fine. Here's some more things to really encourage people with that journey. I love that. And you are obviously Christian, Laura. Can you talk about how your faith impacts your activism? Yeah, do you know, it's something that I've been on a journey with. I think um, as a Christian, I believe that God created this world, but he also instructed us. And when you read the Bible, you know, it's on the first page, like you guys need to look after this planet. And the fact that we're not, like is awful. And if you've ever heard the Genesis story, you know, you hear the seven days of like, God created this and said it was good. He created this and said it was good. He created, created this and said it was good. And on the last day, turns around and says, it's not just good, it's very good. So in, in my opinion as a Christian, if something's very good and has been created for us to live in and then we've been given the responsibility to look after it, that's quite a huge thing that we need to really take up action on. But I think as well, um, throughout the Bible, we hear about loads of injustice that happens and how God's heart breaks for that. And as Christians, we're called to seek out injustice and help people in whatever scenario they're in. And actually when you start looking at plastic when you start looking at climate change you realize it's not just an environmental issue that affects the physical world there's people in often in poverty um, living across the world who are impacted by this and it's the people who are affected most contribute to at least that's an injustice there's people who have the smallest carbon footprints if you want to put it that way or contribute least to plastic pollution or climate change that are the ones living in places that are being flooded, that sea level rises, you know, a real threat that have changing agriculture because of the changing weather. And so I also see this as a justice issue. The fact that there's people being affected across the world. And as a Christian, we're called to like seek out that injustice and make it right in whatever means possible. And that means lobbying. And that means like living out in a way that is, you know, 
for justice. And so I think those two things together, the kind of um, responsibility for looking after the planet joint with, we also have a responsibility for justice issues. And I think those have been like core in my faith. And that is one of the biggest things that kind of pushes me on and really spurs me on knowing that like it's a responsibility as a Christian, not just as like a person who lives uh, on the planet. And it comes as no surprise, Laura, that you are also a TED speaker. So can you explain to our audience how that came about? Yeah, so I did the TEDx event in Glasgow in 2019. Um, And so I did a talk about plastic. It was called Kicking the Plastic Habit to about 3,000 people, which was an amazing opportunity. It came around because um, I was studying for my master's at the time and got an email from someone who worked at the university basically saying, I think you should go for this. I think you should apply your name in. Um, And anyone can apply for a TED Talk. I think sometimes they have speakers invited, but if that's something you want to do, like go for it. Um, So I put my name in and they had a kind of X Factor edition style. You turn up and pitch your idea. And I think... I sort of didn't realise this is what it was. I kind of turned up thinking it was just a wee day to get some information to hear about it. But no, I was thrust in front of a panel of judges and basically told to give them a pitch. And when I was sitting in the waiting room, you know, there was people sitting around me with notes and learning scripts. And I'm like, oh, I just I just turned up and didn't really know what this was. But actually, I think that that played to my strength because I basically had three minutes to kind of get my passion across. Mm-hmm. And I just went up and said, look, here I am, I'm a young person interested in this and I want to tell you about it. And I just spoke to them for three minutes about my passion and about if you gave me eight minutes on a TED stage, stage, this is what I would talk about. And yeah, a couple of weeks later, they got back in touch and said, we just loved your kind of raw authenticity and passion for it. And like, we just want to give it a go. We want to give you a slot. And that then began a journey of they give you a speaker coach and they like help you tailor what you want to say because I guess in my first session I said this is what I want to say no idea how to say it help um but actually they took my crazy idea of bringing a year's worth of milk in terms of the plastic bottles that get used on stage to prove that even if one family you know made one change they could make a huge difference and they took that crazy idea and really helped me make it a reality because I had eight minutes to talk about plastic and to make a and make an impact. And so I wanted to bring on this massive sculpture that took six volunteers to pull on all these plastic bottles to kind of prove that even making one change, in my example, was like switching to glass bottles of milk can like save so much waste uh, and really tell that story. And that was just an amazing opportunity. And, you know, also I get asked to come in, speak it, Lots of things, like sometimes just small things like groups at universities or youth groups or whatever. And often it's people who are already super passionate about this stuff. And I'm just like, you know, coming to give a bit of a pep talk and really meet people. This was the biggest opportunity I had to speak to people who might not have even cared, might not have even been interested in sustainability because they were there for the TED thing. You know, they were there to hear a variety of people. So I had this eight minute slot to really make an impact uh, and really make a statement to people who might not have cared uh, or might not have been on the radar. So yeah, it was a really, really cool day. And it is absolutely wonderful and very impactful. And I will, of course, leave it in the show notes for all of our listeners to then go and watch. You said, Laura, in your talk about finding alternatives to everything. So I have to ask, what was the hardest thing to find an alternative for? I think at different times, it's been different things. You know, when I was a student at Edinburgh, 
so I don't have like you know don't have a partner or kids you know I was just myself I could if I wanted on a Saturday to go and jot around the farmer's market and get things plastic free that was fine and so I think at different points finding an alternative has been different I guess what's been one of the main things I've struggled with food's been the biggest one particularly in lockdown but I think that's because you know we've had less availability to go to the places we want maybe less choice and so I would say often it's just been food things it's either that's because of time or because of accessibility I wonder if there's been I found a solution for most things the one thing that everybody asks me about and I just have no I've never found one is a plastic free nail polish right I've never been able to find one I think mainly because nail polish is also plastic like the thing you put on your nail so I think that's been the one thing that I don't really paint my nails anyway, but that's mainly one I always get asked about. Um, yeah, that's a big one for me. It really annoys me. So if someone could make a plastic free nail polish and let me know about it, that'd be great. Uh, but most things I've found a solution for. And what was the easiest thing to change? Oh, e well, easiest thing, I've got it in just now, is my menstrual cup, right? This was the best change I've made, not just for the environment, but also just like, as a girl, we have been through trauma or as, sorry, as someone who has a period, uh, anyone can have a period, like you go through trauma with that. Um, you run out of things or they're super expensive and blah, blah, blah. I switched to a menstrual cup. So it's a cup that lasts about 10 years and it's reusable. You wash it and reuse it between your cycles. Oh my goodness, it's been the easiest thing. I got it at the beginning of 2018. It was one of the first things I did and I've now had it two and a half years. I've not had to buy a pad or a tampon or anything since. I've used the same cup. I've never ran out, never had one of those panic moments. I've worn it during sports, going camping, going swimming. Oh, I could speak for days about those. Um, but I think that's been a really good one. And then lots of toiletries. I've found I've found my perfect shampoo bar. Obviously it took a bit of like trial and error, trying different brands, but I found a good one found a good conditioner bar, found a good bar of deodorant, like all these things are great uh, and we're super simple because as soon as you found it, you're like, great, that's a swap for life. I'll just buy that for the rest of my life. Are there any brands that you want to shout out about right now, Laura, that you think could massively help our listeners? Hmm. I think one of the... Um, one of the best places to window shop, so you can choose to buy it from this website or not, uh, but one of the biggest ranges of stuff is a website called Plastic Freedom. Now, they are UK-based. You might have a local independent shop that you might want to support as well, but this is like an independent brand. I've watched this like go from you know somebody's bedroom collecting stuff through to like now having a bit of a warehouse. But that website's got the most variety of things. So if you think, is there a plastic-free option for this? that's probably the best place to find it. Um, but I guess for me, like lots of, like I use lots of different brands. I've got some Lush products. I think they're one of the best, biggest companies for doing um, really targeting, not just plastic free, but zero waste and trying to really be ethical and sustainable. Um, and I know we've kind of spoke about fashion and like not buying new stuff, but I'm aware that like bras and pants and socks and those kind of things you have to buy new. I buy them from Organic Basics great brand like a bit bit more expensive but like wow they've the quality and they've lasted forever like um i'd really recommend them i think there's loads of little brands um that i'd support and if you've got a local zero waste shop or kind of ethical sustainable plastic like go check it out because there's some amazing like local things like local things to me in scotland that yeah like i support all the time and what would you say to anyone laura who says that they don't care about the environment I think that's like super close-minded and I think um, 
maybe one day they'll have one of those moments like me on the beach in plastic and thinking oh actually this shouldn't be here and you know maybe it's one day someone who doesn't care about the environment will be trying to have a nice holiday somewhere on a lovely beach and just be surrounded by plastic and think actually this is a bit minging or maybe one day hopefully not but maybe they'll be impacted by climate change one day their house might flood or you know they are you know who knows what it is but I think to not be interested is a really privileged thing because that means that you've not been affected and that means that you are one of the lucky people who is privileged enough not to have experienced that so I think it's probably more of a question of privilege to really like reflect on yourself and say um am I not interested in this just because it doesn't affect me you know so for example you gave the example of like being passionate about women's rights does that mean that men shouldn't be because they're not a woman no of course not they should be interested because it's affecting other people even if it's not themselves um, and the same goes for like many different so I think it's probably one of those things where you have to more question why I think one of the messages that I would give to anyone listening is it's so much easier than you think I mean I live sustainably and it's been a process that to me has come very very naturally and I've never really struggled with doing it at all and I have to say you know in the long run whether it has been beauty products what I mentioned before or um, you know sanitary products again that's something I'm really passionate about all of those different kinds of things the transition I have found to be really really easy and you're only doing good by doing this nothing negative can come out yeah living sustainably or caring about the planet and it is something that affects all of us and impacts all of us whether you are an animal on this planet or a human it is going to impact you in some way so just like you implied Laura I think everybody needs to take that into account and make changes regardless and I also end the podcast with two questions Laura the first being what is your favorite quote or the mantra you live by I would say that it's probably one you've maybe heard before, but it's be the change you want to see in the world. Really simple, but just like that's the simple message. And also that mantra quote can fit many different scenarios. Uh, And so you can take that to your own sphere and your own passion uh, and really put that in place. I love that. And what books or podcasts would you recommend to our audience, Laura? Mm, I think there's, I think again, it just takes a bit of like Googling and a bit of like having a look because if you're into fashion, like there's a lot of um, TV programs and documentaries and books that you could read on that. For example, The True Cost is a great documentary. Fashionopolis is a great book. Um, And if you want to kind of look at I mean, if you Google even just plastic, books on plastic, there's tons, there's loads. Um, And the same goes for like zero waste cooking and all that kind of stuff. And so I would say just like a quick Google because there's great individuals and places um, to go on. And actually, I think there's there are loads more sustainability podcasts coming up. But hopefully I've seen more uh, general podcasts, including sustainability episodes, which is always fantastic. Uh, So even keep your eye out for those on your favorite podcast. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for joining us today. It's been incredible having you on. Good luck with everything. And I've got absolutely no doubt that we are going to stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.